Hello, I'm Casey Hobbs. I have one of the best jobs around. I get to work with nearly 100 adults and nearly 200 teenagers who volunteer their time, inspiring passion to conserve the natural world at the Birmingham Zoo. Today, I want to introduce you to one. So grab your cup. It's time for Coffee with a Docent. Okay, today on the call, we have Beth Bellock. Uh, Beth joined us at the end of the summer of 2019 and jumped right into action. We are glad to have you at the zoo and glad to have you on the call, Beth. Thank you. I am very happy to be at the zoo and enjoying my time with you guys. It's not always this crazy. We're usually open during the spring, so... <laughs> This is the, you're joining us at an interesting time, of course. <laughs> yeah, I haven't experienced the spring yet. I started like end of July, I think, so I'm sorry to miss it. <laughs> yeah, well, hang around and we will use you until you drop next summer and spring. So <laughs> there'll be plenty of time, plenty of opportunity for that. So Beth, tell us a bit about your background, your story. Um, I know you've met a few of our other volunteers and docents and staff, but give us a picture of yourself for those that don't know you. Well, my husband and I moved to Birmingham uh, about 10 years ago from um, Brandon, Florida, which is outside of Tampa. We lived in various towns in Florida for about 25 years. We our children there. Um, and um, I grew up, and so did my husband, we grew up in Pittsburgh, where I guess I got my first taste of a zoo. Pittsburgh Zoo is a very important part of uh, the city, and we lived close enough to it that we could actually hear the lions roar in the evening, because in those days, we didn't have air conditioning, so our windows were always open in the summer, and uh, besides the trains and the um, boats and the uh, planes, we would hear the lions roar at night. It was great. And I went um, to college to become a veterinarian and I met my husband and decided to go to the same college as he was going to. And in the interim, I um, worked at the uh, Carnegie Library and met someone there who was going to start x-ray technology school and I was shocked because that was one of the careers that came up when I was in high school and you, you take that Mooney test and it tells you what you're suited for. I thought you had to go and get a college degree for that but in those days they had um, programs at the various hospitals. They were two-year programs um, called certificate programs and so I decided not to go back to college and I went into the x-ray program and uh, it's taken me pretty far. I've done mammography, I've done um, MRI, and I've also, in the last 13 years, I've been working for a um, software company, most recently bought by IBM, that helps radiologists read breast MRI. So I did support for that. Also did a lot of traveling, where I would do installations and actually um, train the customers at their facility. So that was a, a, a lot of fun. And I um, graduated in 74, so I've been doing that, and I just retired last year. 
That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you did you come up with a favorite place to travel, or even a, a least favorite place to travel? Sometimes that's more well, interesting. Like, oh most, no, not this one again. <laughs> <laughs> the most favorite place was um, I went to was Hawaii, and it was a it's a funny situation because I didn't get assigned to go until last minute and it was in Maui and because it was last minute there were hardly any places to stay so they finally said oh yes we found you a nice place but it's 50 miles away from the hospital so I said okay well that's the only place I have so I got there like at midnight got my rental car drove to the hotel and I got to the desk, thank God they were open, and they said they didn't have a room for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? So they looked and they looked and they looked and they looked in their books and the company had booked my room for next year, the next year. Oh my goodness. So I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and the people, the people are so wonderful in Hawaii. And they said, well, let it, let's see if we have some for you. And they found me a place. It was a beautiful place right on the ocean, right at the ed- on the edge of the building. So I had mountain views on one side and ocean views on the other. I had a wonderful time. And at first, I was very bummed because I had to drive 50 miles to the hospital and 50 mm-hmm. miles back from the hospital. But like by the second day, I was like, what are you complaining about, Beth? I'm talking to myself. I'm like, look what's to the left of you. Mountains, beautiful <laughs> mountains with waterfalls. And to the right is a beautiful ocean. You know, usually you'd be driving somewhere in Florida on I-95 in traffic. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is wonderful. <laughs> so after two days, the um, the guys that I was training, they were, first off, they yelled at me for wearing a suit because nobody wears a suit in Hawaii. And um, they let me take one day off. I was supposed to go back on a Thursday. We went, got there Monday, supposed to go back Thursday. And they let me take Wednesday off so I could go sightseeing because they felt bad for me because I wasn't going to stay longer. And so super nice, nicest people in the world and most beautiful place, I think. Yeah, Australia was my second most interesting journey. Did you see any cool animals while you were in Australia? I did not. Did not. I was in Sydney. Mm. I, I did visit the aquarium there, so I did see their aquarium. Um, but I also like to visit caverns, and outside mm. of Sydney, they have the most beautiful caverns, and there's, I think there's six of them. I got to see two of them. But I didn't really see any wild animals. I didn't get to see any kangaroos or koalas. But yeah, they're typically was- typically not in Sydney. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's very much very much like Seattle. It reminded me a lot of Seattle. Since the company mm-hmm. I was working for was uh, based in Seattle originally, so I spent a lot of time in Seattle training when I first took the job with the software company. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad place to be. Well, my daughter actually lives there now, so we get to visit a lot. Mm-hmm. You are my main link uh, to being back there. I lived there for almost eight years, and anytime you go, you've gone back, 
to visit your family, I always pick your brain about what it was like being back there. And I get all of that without the rain and the traffic, which is pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, is it the Skagit Valley Tulip Festival is right now? Yep. We saw that our first trip to visit our daughter when she first moved there. That's where we went the first time. It was beautiful. Oh. Yeah, there's a tulip festival that happens there every year. It's modeled after uh, somewhere in Holland. Um, and mm -hmm. they've recreated a Dutch countryside. And so essentially any tulips that you get in the United States will probably come from that Skagit Valley um, tulip festival, which is incredible. Some of the best pictures we've ever taken <laughs> of yeah. our family are up there. Well, enough reminiscing about Seattle. So we <laughs> try to do it some other time. Um, so tell us, you've been at the zoo uh, the better part of a year now. Tell us what has surprised you about being a zoo volunteer. I have learned so much and not just from the trainings, wonderful trainings that you all have provided us. Um, I love the trainings, but I also, of course, learn from my peers, the other volunteers and the zookeepers, the employees, the educators. But um, most surprisingly, I learn a lot from the guests. Hmm. The children are so intelligent and um, they teach me a lot. And then like when I participated in the spider exhibit and the kids would just tell me so much about the spiders that I didn't know, you know, and uh, me and the other um, volunteers would incorporate that into our next <laughs> exhibit when we would uh, discuss things with the next guest. We'd say, oh yeah, did you know that uh, these have three-dimensional webs, which was told to us by a young, a young little boy. <laughs> we didn't even know that. So um, I've been down um, at the elephant talking about ivory and how we, they're trying to get them to stop using ivory to carve their trinkets and to use those nuts instead and uh, had a little boy pop up and say well did you know that George Washington's teeth were made from ivory some of his teeth and I was like well no I didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> so I tell that to everybody and they're like that's like one of my most wonderful bio fact that I tell a guest is about the ivory and George Washington's wooden teeth because I thought they were made of wood. Right. And I looked it up on the internet, but it's not actually elephant ivory, it was hippo ivory. Interesting. So from I know. How like the, the hippo incisors, essentially? I don't know. I don't That's know wild. How, how he got a hold of hippo ivory, but <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be uh, General Washington, apparently. Except for the not having your own teeth part. That's kind of a downside. <laughs> well, so tell us too about, you mentioned wanting to be a vet when you were younger. And you mentioned being close enough to hear the lions at the Pittsburgh Zoo. Sounds amazing. Yep. Tell us 
tell us more about your your own love of animals early on. Well, I've always had dogs and cats and parakeets when I was growing up and I just I now I have a German shepherd and two miniature schnauzers and I have kind of um, adopted or I'm an adoptive mom for a Alexandrian ringneck parrot which a friend of mine didn't want anymore and I've had him for 25 years now oh wow he's very noisy and (laughs) as they tend to be he he did a lot (laughs) he did a lot of talking when we first got him but he has stopped talking he talked when he did talk in the beginning, he would talk when you were out of the room. You could hear him talking to himself. Mm-hmm. He would never talk in front of a person. <laughs> and the German Shepherd um, has um, a condition called EPI, which is a pancreatic insufficiency in dogs. Very common, although I've never heard of it until I had the problem with this dog. And it kind of helps me with my hope to be a the veterinarian because I have to um, give him specific feeding and I have to incubate incubate his food a certain amount of time so um, and I've helped other people in my neighborhood on Facebook who have like some a neighbor found a dog running loose and she says oh this dog I found in my neighborhood it's so skinny it's a it's been abused. I can tell. I don't think I want to return it to its owner. And the owner replied back on Facebook and said, that's my dog. And there's nothing wrong with her. She's just in the last couple of days, she's lost a ton of weight and she's, you know, she's not, she's eating everything. We feed her so much, but and the only reason she got loose is because she's been having trouble holding her bowels and I had to put her outside and she got loose and please, please don't put her in the pound. And and everybody was like palling on on Facebook for this poor woman. And I chimed in. I don't usually reply to Facebook, but I said, it sounds to me call. like, yeah, she's got EPI like my dog. And I, and I sent her a link for the, uh, the website that handles um, that problem. And she replied and she said, Oh, that sounds, thank you. Thank you. That sounds just like what my dog has. She says, I'm going to take her to the vet tomorrow. And other people responded as well and said, Oh, I guess we all learned about EPI today. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing your education, even for dog bowel issues on Facebook. Yes. (laughs) You're truly dedicated to this work, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a question about Brandon, Florida, since you brought it up. Uh So Brandon, Florida, I actually have family down there. And I know that there are some manatees down there. Is that right? Is there like manatee viewing center? The manatees um, like to hang out a lot in warm water. So... um, I actually lived in Port St. Lucie for a while before Tampa and Port St. Lucie has a nuclear power plant um, at the beach. So Port St. Lucie was not one of my favorite places to live in Florida only because you cannot get to the beach from that city. You have to go to the city North or the city South because there's no bridge across the intercoastal. Hmm. And Besides that fact, there's this big old nuclear power plant right on the beach. 
uh, where Port St. Lucie is. But yeah. the manatees love to hang out. There's a discharge and they love to hang out there because the water is so warm. And that's, mm. I think there's one in Miami too. It has the same thing where they, they like to hang out in the, the warm water there in the winter time. And also they will go to the springs and uh, in and around central Florida where uh, my son lives. He lives near Orlando. Hmm. And there's a lot of manatees, like in Blue Springs Park. You can actually go and um, to go tubing at Blue Springs Park. But if a manatee comes around, they make everybody get out of the water. They won't let you actually interact with the manatees. Why is that? I guess it's just so that they don't become too reliant, just like our bears, you know, how our bears were getting fed and got used to human interaction and then they lose their skills, their skills to forage on their own. So um, they just don't want anything bad to happen to the manatees and they don't want them to become too familiar with humans. So tell us, Beth, um, you have been with the zoo almost a year now. Tell us about what, tell folks listening what they don't know about the zoo that maybe they should know. Um, well, I was surprised to find out about all the education programs. I've been helping out a lot with um, zoo snoozes. Mm -hmm. And um, people, I don't know if they know that much about the fact that you can actually sleep overnight at the zoo. And um, not only do you get to sleep overnight at the zoo, they have this whole program lined up. You get to tour the zoo at night with flashlights, which is really cool. They also have a special wildlife show for you. And I don't know if uh, I know the, the wildlife show is only um, once in a while. I've taken my grandchildren to the zoo a lot since we've been living here. I don't think I've ever seen the wildlife show because we always seem to miss it. But here you have your own private wildlife show if you do the zoo snooze. And you also, they also have activities set up so that they're very educational and um, they're geared. If you are a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout, you can actually get a badge out of the whole deal, which is a great thing too, because I was a Girl Scout leader and helped out with my son's Cub Scouts. And I know how important getting a badge is to them. And this is a really nice way for um, a family to come as a family. We've had sororities come and do their sorority um, get together, their yearly big party thing. They do a zoo snooze in um, the fall. We have boo snoozes, which are, um, really cool where you get to carve pumpkins and then the pumpkins go to the animals the next day. And, um, it's really, you don't have to sleep over if you don't want to, but, um, you can attend all the activities and then go home if you're not into sleeping out in the outside, but it's, uh, it's a really nice, nice thing. And I don't think too many people know about it. 
-hmm. And there's also a zookeeper for a day that you can do. I've been uh, only done one of those so far. I just started doing those where it's a really nice idea for a present for your grandchild or your son or your daughter or even an adult. Sometimes the adults come too and you can pick a half a day, a full day, and you get to go behind the scenes with zookeepers. I know if when I was young and I wanted to be a veterinarian, uh, something like that would have been fantastic. And I'm, I'm so sorry my grandchildren don't live near here because uh, they would also love to do that. I think you have to be nine to, or 12 to actually do that. Yeah. And those slots are available on our website, www.birminghamzoo.com slash education. And you can see Zookeeper for a day there. And one time I was doing a, um, a biofax station in the reptile building. It was during the winter time. Um, it was not very busy. It was a rainy, cold day. And... Um, it wasn't very, um, I wasn't doing very much, but the, a family came in. It was a mother and her two children, and they sat down with me. I usually sit um, by Matt, our Komodo dragon, and she was uh, very familiar with the zoo. She said that her other child, her other son, was actually at the homeschooling camp or homeschooling lab and uh, they were just passing the time while they waited for him to be done with that she did homeschooling of course and she sat there and graded her children's papers and talked and chatted with me for about an hour and her children I was talking to them about the reptiles and going through the whole um, biofact um, cart thing that we have and I talked about how most reptiles were egg layers and I asked them if they knew the word for that and both of them chimed up right away and it was oviparous and their mother laughed she said that's because she read a book to them when they were little that um, it's called chickens aren't the only ones it's a book about animals that lay eggs and in there they say the word oviparous and it's a pretty much a very early reader book. It's not, maybe not even a reader. It has beautiful illustrations. And I went out and bought it the next day for my grandchildren and they love it. <laughs> so again, <laughs> and, and her um, son said to me, he says, yes, I like the part in there about the mermaid's purse. I'm like, the mermaid's purse? What is that? <laughs> and that's what you call the egg that a, um, stingray legs the mermaid's purse I never knew that so again I learned something and again the next guest that I met I told them all about mermaids purses <laughs> <laughs> if we had a stingray this is what yeah. they would lay <laughs> what's the well, name of that book that's one of the things that's one of the things that little boy said to me. He said he wishes that we had an aquarium at our zoo. I said, well, I think the Atlanta aquarium is uh, too close for us to have an aquarium here, but that would be very cool if we had an aquarium. Yeah. I know the McWayne center has, has stingrays. You can touch. Yes, we do. Cool. Yeah. A touch tank. 
And, it, and when I lived in uh, Brandon, Florida, the Tampa Bay Rays, they actually had a swimming pool in the stadium above oh, the ground yeah. pool that you could, and filled with stingrays that you could go down and like a touch tank and touch them. Exactly what you think you're getting into in a baseball game. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well in, Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, before the hockey games, they bring out the penguins from the zoo and let them run around on the ice. Oh, that's awesome. I need to go look at that video. I think that would make the rest of my afternoon that much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beth, thank you so much for volunteering at the zoo, for jumping in as wholeheartedly as you have and for making some time to chat with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And that's our show. Our art is by Phil Nellis. We want to thank our special guests for today for being on the show. If you want to support the Arzu, go to www.birminghamzoo.com donate. The next time you're on grounds, say hello to our amazing volunteers. Talk to you soon.